this week on the Habs Forum. Uh, we're back. It's been uh, almost a month, I think, since uh, we recorded a podcast, but there's a bit to talk about, and we have an exclusive interview. I mean, I guess it might not be exclusive. I'm just going to call it exclusive with Habs prospect. Jakob Dobas, you can stick around, listen to that uh, interview at the end of the episode. Uh, he's actually having a great start to, to his year. Uh, uh, he was a, a fifth-round pick from this year, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Dustin? Uh, yep, fifth-round pick, 136th overall. There Max. you go. So we'll hear more about Jakob Dobas later. Uh, aside from that, Phil Deno in the news, he uh, he won the Jean Beliveau trophy, which is good news for him, but it came with some interviews Talking again about the contract talk, so we'll talk more about that. It doesn't look like there's a lot of negotiations going on right now. There's the new reverse retro jerseys to talk about. I love them. Dustin's a hater, so we'll argue about that. The Canadian division sounds like it's going to be the only way we're going to have hockey this year. Kutkin Yemi's back from his loan. Started off slow, but had a good time there. He, looking good for going into next year. So very, very, very exciting. Got a couple Twitter questions, as always. Follow us at, on Twitter, at the Habs Forum. Ask us your questions. We're always uh, happy to answer them. And certain Cole Caulfield, uh, big fan of him here on the podcast, had a bit of a hat trick uh, the other day. So we're going to talk about that a little bit too. But first, Dustin, Christmas is right around the corner. What should That's our listeners right. be buying? Christmas is right around the corner. So it's a perfect time, guys, to use that promo code HABSFORM at manscaped.com. Uh, they were nice enough to uh, just recently send us their newest product, the Weed Whacker, which is an electric nose and ear hair trimmer. It's uh, It's been great. It's been great so far. Uh, almost as good as the as the lawnmower, which uh, I'm getting plenty of use out as well of. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, they're great products. I mean, you, especially you know when you're shaving your balls, you know, you don't you don't cut yourself. The battery life is great, and it even has a little light on it too. So I mean, that's uh, that's great. And they do have the the whole Manscaped package where you get that and a slew of their other products along with uh, even the best pair of boxers I've ever owned in my life. So uh, d don't forget to use promo code HABSFORUM for 20% off your purchase and also get free shipping. And d don't understate the weed whacker. For our, our listeners that don't know what you look like, you desperately needed something to treat, trim your nose hairs. So, uh, I mean, I think everyone in your life is happy uh, you got one of those now. So... Moving on, <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's talk about Phil Deneau. So he wins the Jean, Jean Beliveau Trophy, which is uh, for uh, what is it again? Like outstanding, like in the community, like he like that's what it is, right? Just like he's a good community member yeah. while being a good player too. Yeah, exactly. It's it's uh, exactly for for community uh, community work. So, uh, so I mean, that's great to see, obviously, um, you know, that's great, but you know, we had the, uh, they had the interview with him afterwards and not exactly the most reassuring words, of course, from no, it, exactly right. Like he posted that very adorable picture of him in front of the Jean Beliveau arena, uh, as a kid, but that's pretty much all the positive, uh, that, that came from it. So, I mean, some, some of the things he he, he said, basically there's been no contract talks at all. So no negotiations so far. And he more or less said that uh, he he already sacrificed with the last contract as far as money. Like basically, it sounds like he's he wants a payday. He he's gonna try and get as much money as he can from this contract. 
Yeah, I mean, well, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, I think uh, anyone wants to get the most money they uh, they can, right? But, I mean, yeah, he he obviously his last contract. What is he's making? Like, uh, how much is he making now? I think like three and a half million. Not even like barely above three. It's three point zero eight three. So pretty much three million a year, which is a huge bargain. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think uh, you know the the Bergevin signed him to a really good contract a couple of years ago, and you know, obviously, it worked out great for the Canadians. The Canadian, I mean, Bergevin has done that quite a bit. I think you know, even even if you take a look at the Gallagher contract, not not the contract that he just signed, but the contract before, signed him to a couple of extra years at a discount. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, he's due for an uh, for an upgrade. I mean, the way that he's played the last couple of seasons. Not too sure he's gonna, you know, he's really worth the money he seems to think he's worth. I mean, obviously we're not in contract negotiations here. We we don't know what exactly he's asking for, but uh, he seems to be maybe overevaluating himself, uh, maybe just a little bit. But you know, the one thing he did say during the interview was that, you know, he 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 sort of. Um, you know, pushed away the rumor that he he's expecting to be the number one guy. You know, he said he basically said, uh, and I'm just sort of paraphrasing here, is that you know he's not expecting necessarily to be the number one guy, but if he is going to be content with not being the number one guy and just being the third the third guy, then he's clearly not progressing anymore in his career. I mean, he's still a young guy, obviously, still with you know some uh, you know some some possibility to maybe progress a little bit more, maybe a little bit more uh, offensive output potential but uh yeah so it's going to be interesting to see for sure uh i'm not surprised necessarily that there hasn't been a whole lot of talks at this point given the current situation Mm -hmm. um but um you know i mean who knows when the season's even going to start maybe you know i think bergevin probably wants to see at least him see how he gets off maybe uh to a start in the new season and and you know i don't think he's uh he's He's too, uh, you know, I don't think he's too worried about it at this point, at least. I mean, I, I, I kind of agree, but, but we have had some players re-up with, uh, with, uh, with the contract. Like Jeff Petrie, who, who was going to be a UFA, is already signed, but I guess he's more of a veteran player, so it does make sense that he gets it done uh, first. But I, I'm also like not like here's the thing with the whole comments about him not being, not seeing himself as a third line center or whatever. That, to begin with, was always, to me, and we already talked about it, it was completely taken out of context. I don't really think that's what uh, Dano met in in the first place. And, and his point that he's still, uh, like, that he would just be, to be content with how, how good he is now would just be a sign of him not trying to progress like that that's that, that's a great point that that aspect of it was always i found blown up out of proportion but the, the 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 main the main thing for me though it's not just whether or not he's overvaluing himself it's just when you start looking at the Montreal Canadiens assets like what is it that's worth for us to 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 spend on what could potentially just be our third line center i mean uh, not, the, correct me if i'm wrong but i believe we have a twitter question that pretty much touches on this so you want to just uh, give us that Twitter question now, and we can kind of keep talking about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just let me pull it up here. So it's uh, it's a Twitter question that we had from Doug Lowry. Uh, so uh, so he says, "What do you guys think the Habs should do with Deneau? If we re-sign him, how much should Bergie pay uh, pay him as is the assumed third line center moving forward? And would potentially a Suzuki, KK, Paling, and Evans center?" Um, well, four line center way uh, there look like a better, cheaper option. Um, 
Well, I mean, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, the Canadians, I think, based on all the signings that they did this year, I mean, they got to be feeling pretty good about their chances this year. Um, I would say even probably more so. See, I mean, and we're obviously going to touch on this later. The uh, the Canadian division that it looks like is going to be the situation. Probably that's even more favorable for the Canadians at this point than you know what the normal Atlantic division would be. So. You know, maybe they want be if they can't agree to terms with Dano. You know, maybe they they might have been inclined before they made all these signings to maybe trade him and try to get some more assets. But I mean, I don't think that's the case no. now. They probably yeah. have as strong of a team as possible. So now, I, think I, I I believe even if they think Dano is walking at the end of the year and there's nothing they can do to re-sign him, I still think they would hold on to him to to to, to have him as that that extra piece uh, going into the year because he he fits perfectly in a team that wants to win right now even with the the two uh, other centers. It's whether or not we're willing to give him the extra money to to to, to hold on to him. I mean I'm I'm looking at uh, a contract that sticks out. I'm, I'm looking at cap friendly with uh, with centers in the same range. You look at a guy like Jean-Gabriel Pajot, who just signed a contract, similar age range, not as offensively – if you look at points, he doesn't score as much as uh, as Dano does, not as good defensively. Like, I would prefer having Dano than, than Pajot personally. I, I, I believe you would agree with me there. And he just signed a $5 million contract. So – it's reasonable to think that Denno is going to look at a contract that, like that and expect to get more. So you're looking at something close to six million, you know, for for Denno. Now that does that fit in the Canadians' plan moving forward for a player that, especially going into the year. So if you see that that Suzuki and Kakinyemi continue on the right, going the right way. I don't know if it's if it's if it's worth it to pay that money. And like I don't know if, if the paling thing is really that relevant. Like who knows what's gonna happen with paling. Clearly he had a bit of a falling out with the team. Hopefully he bounces back this year. But even if he doesn't, it's you can fill out the bottom center roles a bit easier. Like those players are important, but you can usually find a good veteran presence, strong on the face off draw kind of guy for not too expensive. Definitely less than six, six point five million a year, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, I, I think it's going to get done. At the end of the day, I don't think Dano is going anywhere. I think there is going to be a deal done at some point, you know, maybe not necessarily in the near future. But at some point, I definitely don't think Dano is playing his last season here with the Canadians. I, I definitely think the right number is going to be probably about five and a half. I don't think he's going to get a whole lot more than five. I think he probably would like... Um, a little bit more than that, but I think 5.5 probably makes a lot a lot of sense. Dano, I get the sense probably is looking for especially term. So mm-hmm. you know, I I, I would I could kind of see maybe uh you know 5.5 for six years. I think that could make a lot of sense. I think you know I, it's it's obviously hard to say how the salary cap you know what, what exactly the situation is going to be. I mean, it's been, you know who knows when the when the NHL is going to start. Who knows how the salary cap is going to go. So. It's it's kind of tough to say if the Canadians are going to be able to find a way to make the make the contract work. I mean, I think they probably could. You know, I don't I don't know who they would who they would really have to move out to be to be honest. But I mean, I, th- I think they can make it happen somehow. I mean, but uh, I, yeah, I think about five and a half, six million probably makes a lot of sense. And then, and you know, uh, to get back to the question there of you know Suzuki, KK, Paling, 
Evans. I mean, I definitely think Evans isn't more than a fourth line center. I think, yeah. you know, he's, he has relatively limited off, uh, you know, offensive upside paling. I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, he's a bit of a question mark at this point. I mean, hopefully if he can come into camp in shape, you know, I think he can make the team. Is he a third line center? I mean, I, I think at this point, maybe I'd be leaning more to maybe him end up ending up being a, a winger at the, at, at the NHL level. He's played a lot of wing actually in Laval. So I think, you know, I don't think it's a slam dunk that even if he does play in the NHL next season with the Canadians, you know, he might not even play at center, probably going to play more on the wing. So, yeah, yeah I don't know if uh, if Paling's really going to be the answer at, th- at third line center. I mean, we'll see. But uh, no, I definitely think at the end of the day, Dano is going to end up re-signing. And it's just a matter of finding uh, that common ground. But I, I, I see, like, I don't know. I'm not sure if it's going to happen because looking at the contract situation right now, so you look at – just as as the team is built this year, the the team we're basically at, at the cap, right? We're, the, the team's at the cap. So you look at then what that means for next year. The defense is pre- and the goaltending is is pretty much already already set there. I mean, the big difference at goaltending is that we're, we are going to save uh, about 1.5 million uh, on the on on the Jake Allen contract when it when the new one kicks in next year. But then you have the Gallagher contract that takes a pretty big jump, almost three million dollars. And then everything else is going to kind of be similar to what's getting paid out right now, except you're going to lose Thomas Tatar. But, like, the difference with Thomas Tatar gets eaten up a little bit by the Gallagher contract and all that. So if you sign Daniel for 5.5, and I think it might take $6 million, but 5.5 does make sense because that's what Josh Anderson and Duhuayn get. And Gallagher remains the highest paid forward, which was something that was mentioned by, uh, uh, by Bergevin. But then you're kind of given... The money that is with Tatar to Dano, you probably can't then afford Tatar, which I, I'm not I, I'm not totally against losing Tatar, but then it kind of creates a bit of a hole on on the on the wing for the Canadians. Like I don't know if it's if it's the right move, especially if we go into the year and Suzuki and Kudkiniemi have the the breakout seasons that we really hope they can have. Like I think we're we're pretty confident that Suzuki uh, will. Uh, Kutkiniemi has been up and down in his career, but I mean, we're going to talk a bit about him soon, but he, he looked really good at the end of his loan, uh, in, uh, in Finland. So, and those guys are going to end up getting huge paid paychecks sooner rather than later. I mean, Kutkiniemi is an RFA at the, this year, so who knows how much he needs to get paid able to make it work. I mean, I agree with you on paling Jake Evans is a fourth line center for sure. But can the, can the, this team really afford to pay the third line center something like six million dollars a year, five point five million dollars a year, without kind of hurting the wing depth or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, it's, there's definitely going to have to be some juggling, uh, you know, done there to to make it work. Um, you know, I mean, potentially, like you said, I mean, Tatar's contract's going to be up. Um, you know, Army is going to be gone too. Uh, so I mean that's what another like two a little over two million I think Army is yeah, making two two point six yeah yeah he'll have to be replaced a guy like Lekkinen I think could be moved pretty easily um, you know and he's probably going to be slotting into the fourth line wing spot this year uh, and you know potentially a guy like Byron too his contract obviously would be a little bit uh, well quite a bit harder to move yeah. but um, you know who what maybe potentially buy him out at the end of the season. I mean, I think, you know, it's it's definitely not going to be easy. It's, you know, to, to, to try to figure it out. But I, I definitely think it is doable. And, I mean, Dano means a lot to this team. 
Um, you know, I mean, if 5.5 million, yeah, he is, you know, he's going to be a third line center, but he's, you know, a solid penalty killer as well. He's a shutdown center. He's one of the best shutdown centers in the NHL. I mean, I definitely think he's worth, uh, worth 5.5, maybe even 6 million. So I think definitely at the end of the day, it ends up getting done. I mean, and, and one thing I will say, like, I'm the first one to say with this team, especially, I don't really like calling, um, Dano a third line center because this that's just not how this team is built. It's it, it, this team isn't built with like the classic team that has a first line, second line, third line. It's very much a top nine that the Canadians have built right now, right? Like there's no uh, really elite talent on the wing, but there's a lot of very very good talent on the wing. You know, maybe Suzuki or Kutkiniemi turn into an elite talent, but in the next couple of years, we're probably looking at really you're going to have three lines that produce probably pretty evenly on and on any given night one produces more than the other so i do think like and now i'm like kind of like talking myself into it that means if you have a team like that it's essential that your third your quote-unquote third line center that is very good you need three strong centers if you're going to have a team that's built this way so it would be extremely hard to lose dano i mean you mentioned byron if the team can manage to get rid of byron that's a huge thing. And, of course, something that I, I kind of wasn't thinking about either. We do have the expansion draft that's coming, too, that it's going to take a contract off, off the Canadians' hands there. So who knows who gets picked uh, there for uh, for the Canadians. But that could free up some cap space. So, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe they do end up signing him as long as he's not expecting more. Because my thought is this team might be thinking he deserves the same amount of money as Gallagher, right? They've played on the same line, similar kind of like they can argue that Gallagher produced because he plays with Dano and all that. Like, would you be – let's say they don't want to budge on – so Gallagher's making 6.5. They don't want to budge. They want to get the same contract as Gallagher. Would you give Dano that contract? No, no. That definitely doesn't make sense. I mean, you know, I mean, maybe there's not a huge difference between six and six and a half, but, I mean, at the same time, there is. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, six million it, for me would definitely be the the high high end, and I I really think it's five point five is is a good number. Yeah. Um, you know, I I even even six million I find find that a little hard to digest, but uh, I mean I think it's you know it's 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 definitely possible, but uh, no, not more than six million. I think it would be yeah. would be definitely overpaying him. I mean, five point five, like I said before, brings him to the same contract as Duran. If you ask me today who is more valuable to the Montreal Canadiens between Danu and Drouin, I, I mean, it's no contest. It's Danu. I mean, yeah. he brings a lot more to this team than, uh, and more consistency in, uh, and all that. So, I mean, it's interesting. Hopefully we get it done. It's just it's hard to know exactly what his, what his team, uh, what him and his agent are going to ask for. I, uh, like I guarantee you that their, their side of the, the conversation is going to start with, with wanting Gallagher money, right? Because – they can make the argument, you know, I don't agree with it necessarily, but they can make the argument that the Gallagher kind of got to where he is with the consistency playing with Dando. They've played the last couple of years together constantly, right? Gallagher has given more goal scoring wise and all that, but that's where the conversation is going to start with him, I think. And centers come at a premium. Like, I, I wonder how much he would get on the open market. But then, of course, there's also the COVID situation with cap not the cap not going up. So... It'll be interesting to see. I would hate to lose Dano. Hopefully to get it done. But I, I'm I'm on the same page as you. I think if they can get it done for about 5.5, I think that, that you you have to do it. You have to hold on and you make it work. You find a way to move Byron, basically. You know. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, I mean, there's, you know, there, there's a couple of guys that they could move again. You know, we talked about Armia, Lekin, and, um, you know, maybe even a guy like Kulak. You know, I mean, it, obviously, it's not bi- those aren't big numbers, but uh, you know, they, there's going to have to be a bit of shuffling around for it to work. But I definitely think it's doable. And I mean, for for what Dano brings to the team, and again, you know, with two very young centers like Suzuki and, and Kudrin, yeah. I mean, you want to have an older guy that's been there that can you know support them, and you know, especially playing a defensive shutdown sort of role. I mean, Suzuki showed that he can you know, really do it in, you know, just, just in the playoffs, you know, what he did, uh, especially against the Penguins, I mean, was fantastic, but you know, you, you want to have that, that veteran center they can, uh, that they can sort of lean on. Yeah. So, I mean, th- th- that makes sense to me too. So um, uh, I, I now like going into this, I didn't think they were going to get it done, but now that we've talked about it, I, th- I think it's going to happen. I think, I think it's going to get done and, and, and when you when you look at the rest of the center depth, like the, the, the to go back to the, that Twitter question, like we just mentioned, it, it's not happening. Like the only way it's not happening is if Paling somehow has a miraculous kind of comeback breakout season, which I really don't see happening. So I, I, it's it's probably happening, and Paling is just not going to play that much hockey for the for the Canadians, especially not at center. I mean, I mean, I, th- I think he can definitely turn it around. I mean, I think a lot of it, um, you know, probably has to do with motivation. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, there's a reason why he didn't, uh, you know, he w- he didn't play at all with the Canadians, you know, and then Belzil was uh, was playing in, instead of him during the playoffs. Yeah. But, you know, I, I definitely think, you know, he's still a young guy. I think he can turn around if he and if he can really get focused, then, yeah, I mean, he, he still has a lot of potential. But uh, but again, he's always had even when he was drafted by the Canadians, he's a guy that has uh, limited offensive potential. So, you know, I think he's, uh, you know, he, he can still turn it around, but. You know, we we got to sort of temper expectations. You know, but he obviously, you know, he scored the hat trick and the shoot shootout winner in his first NHL game. That was never going to be. Uh, you know, he's not a guy that's going to score a hat trick every game. That's for sure. No, no, for sure. That that was kind of like the worst thing that could have happened to him, honestly. Uh, as exciting as that game was, because it didn't mean anything, it was a classic last game of the year against Toronto. So you kind of just watching it, like maybe you haven't watched for. For, for a few weeks because, I mean, the Canadians kind of are out, out of the playoffs. The games don't mean anything. But hey, it's the last game of the year. It's against the Leafs, so you, so you tune in. And then he has that game, and then the rest of the summer, there's like the, the, the type of fans that don't necessarily follow closely, they're thinking, oh, my God, who's this new player we have? He's incredible. But, uh, I mean, <laughs> he, he's okay, but he's not that player, that's for sure. And, uh, all right, so moving on from that, I mean, the, the other bit, big news lately – uh, has been, uh, I mean, anyone who listens to the, this podcast knows how much of a fan of Kutkin Yemi I am. And uh, he started off a little bit slow with his uh, his loan to uh, uh, to the team in Finland. What are they called again? Uh, the Asset. Uh, yeah, Pori yeah, Asset. Exactly. But ended up with two goals and six assists for eight points in ten games. Considering he went the first few games without – like recording anything that he that means he finished over a point per game extremely and if you're looking at the highlights he just he looked like the best player on the ice from what i was seeing the beautiful passes beautiful playmaking almost scored a lacrosse goal which i would have lost my mind if he did that <laughs> uh, but <laughs> i mean looking good going into this year and i and i love that he got some high level hockey under him coming into so he he, he came back now basically if, if anyone's not aware because if the the season does start on January 1st, like is the hope, 
he does need to quarantine for before going to camp. So he had to come back at this point. You know, it, it makes everything kind of longer, right? You have to come in sooner to, to quarantine. So that's the only reason he came back. I'm sure they would have been happy to hold on to him uh, over at uh, at Asat. But, I mean, just makes me more exciting for the year and to see what the kids can do, honestly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, always good to get a little bit of experience. Well, you know, a little bit of playing time there. Um, I mean, and, and especially, obviously, he didn't get off to a great start. But I mean, you know, that can sort of be expected. You know, it's the off season, and obviously a very weird off season here. So, you know, yeah. obviously, you know, a, a pretty weird situation. But obviously, really happy that he at least finished extremely strong. He looked, you know, basically as the games went on, he seemed to get better and better. So, I mean, that's great to build his confidence as well heading into, well, whenever this season is going to start. You know, I mean, hopefully his, uh, you know, he's he's going to hit the ground running at this point. And now, I mean, the season is probably not going to start January 1st. At least it doesn't really seem to look like that. You know, he'll be able to come here once he's done his quarantine, hit the gym and, you know, basically just get in shape, get as strong as possible, put on some muscle. And, you know, like I said, hit the ground running once the season does start. Oh yeah, who who knows when the season will start? I mean, I I, I want to hold on hope to to January first. I mean, it'd be a great way to kick off the new year, honestly. Uh, but yeah, 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 you're probably right. It's uh, probably not uh, happening. But uh, uh, there, there is also the the, the point here. I, I forget who is uh, a tweet by Arpon Basu. Uh, so after p- speaking with Kirk Muller, talked about how. Uh, we can expect an expanded role for both Suzuki and Kutkiniemi, uh, an increased role on the power play, which which I love to hear. I mean, Suzuki's to be expected. I mean, he was playing on both the PK and the power play towards the end of the year. I mean, clearly the team had a lot of confidence in him very quickly. But I want to see Kutkiniemi on the power play. Let him kind of, like we saw from the highlights, some beautiful playmaking. He could he can really develop into the guy that's a bit of the... I guess the not, not necessarily the quarterback. That's that's usually what you'd call the defenseman. But you know, my, my, like the setup guy, the guy that's really the playmaker on the power play, and he can still also shoot. He has, he's got a great shot. He just doesn't use it enough. Yeah, he really does. I mean, you know, he has a, I think, a pretty underrated shot. Like he really does, and he had like it's a, a sort of a, a deceiving shot too. Like he shoots re- the puck really hard, and you often see goalies like when he does shoot, especially when it's like a quick shot or a one timer or something like that. It's the, the goalies tend to have a, a hard time picking it up. So, yeah, I mean, you you want to see an exp- expanded role, not just for Suzuki, but for Kakanemi as well. I mean, you know, we've talked about it before. And the, the playoffs, they were basically, aside from maybe Price, they were probably the two best players for the Montreal Canadiens. So, you know, obviously the future, they're, both these guys are going to have a big hand in, the, in that future. So, you know, the, the sooner that they can get playing time in all different situations maybe not in the on the pk for cooking Amy right away but at least on the power play i mean it's not like the, the canadians power play has been that great anyway so nope i mean i think why not put them in there and uh, and see what they can do and just like like we keep saying like we're excited for the season to start and something like the kids is what's making us excited but something is making me really excited about it too is, and we've talked about it before, but it's becoming more and more likely that if there is hockey, this is what's going to happen. It's the Canadian division. I mean, you mentioned before it could be a plus for the team. I, I understand that that means the team doesn't have Tampa Bay to play against, but the Canadian division would still be a pretty tough division to play against. It, it would would not be easy. I mean, the Western teams are 
are better than they than they were. I mean, Vancouver's like kind of getting better. Uh, Edmonton, it's like every year we expect them to finally have that breakout. They still have that elite talent on that team, right? I mean, it, then Calgary made some moves in the offseason, and then we know the East teams very well. I'd be I'd be interested to see what happens. I think the Canadians fits very well there, but it would it's going to be a tough division. That's for sure. It, yeah, yeah, it's, it's not going to be easy for sure. But, um, you know, I think personally, I'd rather be playing, you know, Vancouver and and Calgary and Edmonton than Tampa Bay, Boston. You know, I mean, I I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But uh, I mean, I think, yeah, I, I mean, Edmonton. Well, at the same time, you know, the, Can- <laughs> the Canadians never play very well when they are out west. So it's, yeah. it is going to be tough to all the well, I don't. I mean, who knows exactly how it's going to work for traveling? But I mean, well, the, the the rumor seems to be it would be a, they basically compare it to a baseball schedule, right? Where you'd probably have a situation where the Canadians might be in Vancouver to play three games in a row against against Vancouver, uh, which would be interesting, right? We'd have the the, the extra kind of the the the, the kind of like in baseball, there's a, a bit of a series that there's always a bunch of mini series throughout the year, right? So we, we could see some of that. I mean, it would make it would make for a very very interesting season. That's very different from what uh, uh, from what we're used to. And just for the potential bragging rights of being the team that wins that division, then you're, you you won the Canadian division. I mean, that'd be that'd be amazing. That yeah, that, that would be awesome. I mean, it's all it's always fun playing against other Canadian teams too, and especially the West teams. We don't obviously get to play them too too often, so it's I mean, just just for that fact, it's going to be really fun. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the Canadians. I mean, it, well, you got to figure they're they're going to have to be for the fourth place. Well, in the top four out of seven teams. I mean, I think I think it's pretty realistic to think the Canadians can finish in the top four there. I mean, Ott, like just forget about Ottawa first of all. I mean, some of the other teams are going to be tougher. I don't think Calgary's really that great, and they have Markstrom now in net, so they'll have a, a little bit better goaltending. Um, I mean, Vancouver lost Markstrom, though. So I, I don't think Vancouver is that great. I think the Canadians are definitely better than them. Edmonton, who knows? I mean, I don't know about definitely better than them. I mean, like Vancouver, Calgary, Winnipeg finish 7-8-9 last year. Edmonton finished fifth. These are all teams that finish higher than the Canadians. Like, the Canadians are the ones that have something to prove here, right? They, they, I know they've made some great moves. I love the moves. they got the kids progressing. But it's up to the because the, the 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 podcast hosts in uh, Vancouver, Calgary, Winnipeg, and uh, uh, and Edmonton, I guarantee you, are talking about this uh, potential Canadian uh, division. Are looking at the Canadians like, oh, we're definitely better than that team. Like the Canadians are the team there that have something to prove, uh, given how they've performed in the last few years. The, the, these these teams have legit players on them. Like they're, they're nothing to scout. Like I know Vancouver lost Markstrom, but I mean. I don't think that's that big of a loss. I mean, goaltending easily replaceable in this in this this uh, NHL. Let's let's be honest. Like the position you play doesn't doesn't mean what it used to mean. Well, I think Markstrom's very underrated, though. I mean, well, Thatcher Demko is is definitely a very good goalie too. And actually, yeah. they do. It was Holt. They have Holtby now too, right? Yeah. That's so, I mean, and yeah, Demko, that's... he was playing over uh, Markstrom a lot, wasn't he? Uh, well, no, I, I, I think Markstrom was still playing, uh, most of the games. I mean, I th- yeah, I think Demko did get, uh, did get a decent amount of starts. I mean, they lost to Foley though, right? So to Foley's with the Canadians now, but I mean, I think with the, with the additions the Canadians made, I mean, I think, you know, it's not necessarily that they're not good teams, but I think the Canadians are just so much better than they, than they were next last season. Yeah. 
So, I, I don't disagree. I, I just disagree that like the Canadians are for sure better than any of them. They're not for sure better than it's like it's 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 not going to be like I get your point with like it's it's an easier division division potentially at the top end without Boston and Tampa Bay, but it's like a very outside of Ottawa, who was obviously kind of on, on the bottom there. It's a lot of teams that kind of like are very even to me. Like any of them could could be any of them on any given day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm just a little too excited for, uh, for all the Canadians additions they've made. But I mean, I I think the Canadians should definitely be in the top four in them, um, you know, out of, out of those teams. I mean, yeah, you know, there's going to be obviously a whole lot of factors. I mean, especially if they're, you know, depending on how the travel's going to work out, depending on how long the season actually is going to be. I mean, I, I think at this point, you know, uh, if it does start in February, it's going to be like 48 games. So. I mean, you know, you, you just got to hit like a, a losing streak or a winning streak, and that can make a, a, a huge difference, you know, when it's only 48 games, com- 48 games compared to uh, to 82. That's a but, great uh, point. And you know who had uh, two uh, eight-game losing streaks last year? Who? <laughs> the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. If they if they got just one eight-game losing streak uh, yeah. ne- in this in the short season, they'd probably be pretty screwed. But uh but, uh, I, mean, I, I do mean, like our chances that. with arrested Carey Price and Shea Weber, though. Like, I'd still be, don't get me wrong, I'd still be optimistic that the Canadians can be top four. I'm just saying it's not going to be easy. No, no, it's it's not going to be easy. But uh, I, if I'm I'm obviously a betting man, and I would definitely be betting be betting that they're making the playoffs. Yeah, I, if I had to bet, I think I, I I think I'd make that bet too. Um, I mean, even Toronto doesn't scare me that much because because the Canadians can beat Toronto. You know, it's like they're. They they have that firepower, but they can't. And just with the makeup of the team, how they always kind of struggle in the playoffs. I mean, like, are they going to react well to these changes with with like travel and all that? Like, I, I could see them having a super disappointing season. You know, just the way that 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 team is built. Um, but Edmonton, yeah. I think, is tough. Yeah. Edmonton, Edmonton is tough. But yeah, Vancouver, Calgary, and and Winnipeg, you would hope the the Canadians would be able to finish ahead of. Uh, it's, I, I I love to see it though. Like it sounds like it's gonna happen for sure. At this point, if if the Canadian division doesn't happen, I'm gonna be disappointed. Like I'm excited for the Canadian division. Well, I mean, I don't think there's any like I'm sure like the the, the NHL is gonna start eventually, and I I think with the current you know situation in the world, well in North America at least, I mean I I don't think there's any way that it won't happen, right? Yeah, uh, you know, I can't see them really opening up the borders. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Well, we'll we'll see what what happens. I just hope it's we get news soon on when it, when it's gonna happen. Because I mean, even January first seems far, but then uh, you, it's probably not gonna happen then. It's just, I just, it just no. seems so weird. Like the weather's getting bad. It's getting cold. The usually the one thing we have this time uh-huh. of the year is hockey. Like at least we have hockey. But now we don't even we can't even play hockey right now. We can't do we can't do anything. Just, uh, just, let, just let me watch the Canadians, please. <laughs> well, hopefully, I mean, uh, yeah, it's probably not going to happen January first. I mean, I mean, you would think if they're going to start January first, like they would probably have to make an announcement like in the next week or two. Yeah, like yeah, for sure. True. Yeah. So I mean, I think February first is probably pretty realistic. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean uh, that that you know probably around the holidays they'd probably have to make the announcement. So, I mean, obviously, you know, we'll see how uh, how things progress over the next couple of weeks there with the with COVID. But 
Yeah, I, th- I think February 1st probably makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And there's definitely going to be a season. I don't think the NHL can afford to uh, to to not play. Honestly, the, the, the NHL doesn't have the same kind of uh, success as the other uh, ma- major leagues uh, do. So I definitely think it's it's going to happen. And uh, actually, another great example of how the the NHL can't necessarily afford this, and this is how this is probably hurting the NHL as a league more than any other major league, is the whole reverse retro jersey thing. Now, was this planned before COVID or to me, it just seems like, like, don't get me wrong. I love the jerseys, but it feels like they were like, okay, we need something to get some money coming in. And I, they did a great job for most of them. I love the Canadians jersey personally. I, 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 I haven't bought a jersey for myself in a very long time. I'm too cheap to spend that type of money on, on jerseys. It's just so hard for me to justify it. But I really so badly want a cut Kanyemi jersey with reverse <laughs> retro. I think they look sick. Yeah, I'm sure they. I'm, I'm sure it has a lot to do with COVID. I mean, you know, a bit of a, bit of a money grab. I'm sure, you know, especially right before the holidays. But yeah, uh, yeah like yeah, I know you really like the jersey. I think a lot of people like the jersey, but I don't know, man. The Canadians in blue just seems really weird to me. But why we're the bleu blanc rouge? Like we're a three color team. Like I, I get it. Like the Leafs are the team that we associate to blue the most. But like. At the same time, fuck the Leafs. Like, why do they get to keep blue to themselves? And, like, I love the shade that they chose. And it just I, – I just think it looks absolutely beautiful. It's it's honestly – I mean, I'm obviously biased, but it's, I think, one of the best ones of the bunch. I think it looks great. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I do kind of like the look of it. But, again, it's just, I, I just can't get over the fact – like, Canadians in blue it just, just doesn't feel right to me. Like it, it really doesn't look bad. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, not like even principle. Yes, I don't know. It's just it just feels weird. Like the Canadians are supposed to be red, like with obviously some blue on the jersey, but just but the primary color should be red or you, white. You, you, I mean, I'm so not surprised that you feel this way because you, you <laughs> just hate change in general. This is such a a Dustin response. <laughs> to, uh, to 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 this. I'm not, I'm not surprised at all that you feel this way, but I it's I too mean much I. I love it. But the, the, here's the thing is the Canadians, obviously iconic logo, iconic jersey. They've never really had a third jersey that is that much different, like outside of some of the crazy retros, like the stupid barbershop one that you like for some the reason. Best, the, okay. the best Canadians okay. jersey ever. And <laughs> the but, barbershop jersey. Aside from that that one, they're just variations of the Habs logo that all pretty much look worse than what it looks like right now. So there's like no point in, in having those. So it, it's just it was the one way to make a cool kind of jersey while still keeping the same kind of I- iconic look of uh, of the Canadians. And I, I definitely think it's one of the better ones. I'm like looking at all of them right now, and th- there's a few that stand out. I mean, one that gets a lot of love is uh, the. Colorado Avalanche one, and we both agree on this that it might look good, but as former, well, still Montreal Expos fans, I mean, I, I, I just um, even though we hated the Nordiques uh, as Habs fans, we would hate them. I, I mean, like I just can't, I just can't. Like you're not allowed to do that. It's just I would be so pissed if they did that with the Expos. Which I, it's just no, don't do that. No, exactly. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously we're not, uh, we were never Nordiques fans, so I mean, we can't really talk for them. But, but yeah, I mean, if if the Nationals came out with, uh, you know, with a jersey that that had like X, you know, anything Expos on it, for sure I'd be pissed. 
Definitely. I was mad when they when when they won the World Series, what, like two years ago. I was pretty mad about that. And I mean, that was, you know, I mean, they, they moved, what, 16 years ago now. But yeah, yeah. no, I mean, well, you re- no. remember the drama when Price wore a Nationals hat and he was, was like, guys, I just like the colors. I did chill. <laughs> Oh but, man. Yeah, I mean I don't know how Nordiques fans feel about it, but uh I know I wouldn't be too happy, that's for sure. I mean it does look good though. I do have to admit that. It does look good. Yeah, uh, it definitely it definitely look good. Looks good. I, I think one of my favorite ones is the Leafs one just because it looks so stupid, so I'm happy that it looks stupid. I just I just think it looks so bad, honestly. The Leafs one. But uh aside from that, I I love the idea though. It's 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 one of a, a rare cool marketing idea from the nhl which is usually the the, the lamest of of all all the sports with this type of stuff but Definitely. i know i like it i mean the islanders one i'm looking at it right now is hilarious just because it's not it's different at not all different at all <laughs> it's such a lula morello kind of thing there like it's it's like you were gm of the islanders basically you would you and lou would probably get along Great. Man, they I mean, should have. They should have brought back uh, the Highlander guy. Yeah, I know. Uh-huh. It was such an obvious one, and for sure they wanted to. For sure, like the the, the Adidas team like wanted to, and they and they were told no. Like, there's no way. That's it's too easy. It's too easy. But anyways, I mean, <laughs> it sucks for them. But I think most of them look look good. I and mean, some of them are a little little. I personally hate the Coyotes one. I see a lot of people like it online. I I think it looks so stupid. But yeah, uh, I I love the idea overall. Yeah, I like the old school Coyotes jersey, like their first one. But yeah, I don't really like the retro. The, well, the the one they just came out with, though. Yeah, best one is still the Canadians, though. And uh, you're stupid for not liking it. But uh, <laughs> I know you're not gonna change your mind on it. So let's uh, let's just move on. Uh, I mean, not much else to talk about. I think you had another Twitter question you wanted to get to. Uh, yeah. So uh, the Habstatician asked us. Uh, so who we think this year sort of Victor Mete type uh type player could be at camp so basically you know asking a dark horse that would come out of nowhere to make the team so uh do you have any thoughts mario on this i mean looking at the team i just doesn't feel like there there's really room for anyone i mean i don't think jake evans would really count no no he already kind of yeah i I think it's like kind of just because of the covid situation you know, it's going to be probably an extremely short camp. Like, you know, we're probably True. talking about two weeks. There's probably not going to be any preseason games, you know, maybe one or two most. Um, so it's it's probably going to be very hard for a young guy to uh, to really impress in such a short amount of time. Um, I mean, I think some guys that could potentially that might be a bit of a surprise um, would be Otto Liskinen. You know, he played a couple of games, I think, with the Canadians last season. You know, defenseman, he's uh, he's been playing pretty good in this in the uh, in the Finnish league. Um, he's a left-handed defenseman, but he had he did play cool. Well, he played a fair amount on the right side last year in Laval, and I thought he was prob- maybe one of the best defensemen in Laval last season. But Who's the thing ball? there for a defense, short of an injury, like whose spot is he taking? Defense is completely set. Yeah. You know. Well, maybe maybe a guy that can play on the right side. I mean, I, I wouldn't be overly surprised. I mean, maybe it'd be a little bit tougher now, but like Mete and Kulak, I mean, maybe one of them were to get moved. Um, yeah, maybe if an injury, yeah. So to, probably not even. But Liskinen, again, he can play on both sides, so that would maybe be a reason that he could potentially jump ahead of someone. But, um, yeah. If it does happen, it's going to be a forward, I would think. I don't know who it could be, but, I mean, we would – 
like we're hoping basically the, the the young guys that we're hoping are going to have a good camp. I mean, Jake Evans, I'm pretty confident, is going to look good enough to be the the fourth line center there. You you hope Ryan Paling shows up and looks good enough that he can start the year as the kind of maybe the the fourth line left winger there. But I could potentially see, I could easily see another player uh, just step in and have a better camp than than Paling. But I think it has to be Ford. I don't I don't, I don't see anyone on, like on defense losing their spot to any short unless we have an injury, right? Which obviously yeah, we don't prob- hope, hope doesn't. Yeah, probably not. Uh, like on on defense, I mean, the two guys that 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 are probably close to the NHL would be Otto, uh, again Otto Liskinen and Gustav Olofsson. But uh, I think the one guy that probably will make the team that might be a surprise to uh, to some people is going to be definitely a forward, and it'll be Laurent Dauphin. The Canadians oh, okay. acquired, I think last yeah they acquired him last season for Michael uh, Michael McCarron. He's is a very good like fourth line center. He's still relatively young. He's 25 years old, I think. Had was a, had a bit of a slow start with Laval last season. I think he had 15 points in 25 games, but yeah, finished yeah finished super strong. Uh, I I mean I saw a, a couple of their their the final games over the last two weeks for uh, for the Laval Rocket, and he was probably their best. Best player, maybe, but def- definitely the best forward. He, and he does know, have some NHL experience, too, in Arizona. He does. Yeah. And he's a guy, definitely, that uh, he, he he was probably the guy that Joel Bouchard had the most confidence in at the end of the season. He played in all situations, especially on the PK. He was amazing on the PK. So I, I definitely think that he's the kind of guy that'll be a 13th forward. He'll split time at the fourth line center with Jake Evans. You know, maybe Jake Evans plays on the wing a little bit and Dauphin. He's also very good at faceoffs as well. So he's a kind of, he's like the perfect guy that the Canadians would want on the, you know, as a fourth line center, they obviously don't have um, Nate Thompson like they've had the last two seasons or whatever. So he's, he, I would say is probably going to make the NHL. So I guess he would be the, "Quote unquote dark horse," but yeah, he's I mean, obviously. I think that I think that counts because I think the average fan uh, wouldn't. Uh, it would surprise them to to see. Like, do you, do you think he looks? He comes into camp and he ends up looking better than uh than a Ryan Paley? I mean, I think they, they, there's probably room for them both to make the team, but uh, I mean, Paling's definitely got it. He, you know, he he definitely has to make his presence felt right off the bat. I think it, it's probably also going to depend if the AHL is playing. Because um, I think, sure. you know, if the AHL is playing, I wouldn't be surprised if Palin gets sent down, you know, at least just maybe for the start, unless he really stands out of camp. They send him down, you know, he, he can get his confidence. If there's no AHL, then I mean, for sure, Palin is going to be with the Canadians. Yeah. I mean, that, they, that, they, that, that makes sit. a lot of sense. Yeah. And uh, all right. So aside from that, some uh, prospect news. Uh, Cole Caulfield with a hat trick yesterday, and if you uh, if you follow Habs Twitter at all, your your feed was flooded with the highlights from Cole Caulfield, he, looking really 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 good. It was it was it was great to see him get a, get on the the scoreboard there. Some some nice goals by Caulfield. Yeah, for sure. I mean, three goals yesterday. Uh, he had he played the night before as well and scored a goal. So four goals uh, in two games. Um, before, I mean, that was his first goal of the season or his first goals of the season. Before that, he went, uh, I think the first two or three games without scoring a goal. So, you know, people were kind of like, what's up with that? <laughs> Why is Cole, uh, Cole Caulfield not scoring? But, uh, 
But I mean, even though he hasn't been scoring, I mean, if you actually take a look at him playing in Wisconsin, he's probably looked better than he has than he did last season, despite not scoring in the first couple of games. He's he was you know even though he wasn't scoring, he was getting those chances. He looked he he's been looking amazing and a little bit more responsible in the defensive zone as well. So I mean, even though he wasn't scoring at first, obviously he is now. He's definitely uh, definitely sort of you know starting to come around. Uh, a couple of other guys, I mean. You know, definitely the guy that uh, that I interviewed a couple of days ago, Jakob Dobis. He's off to a great start as well. Three and one so far, 161 goals against average, 939 save percentage. Off to a great start and really showing why the Canadians drafted him. Now, he's a guy that he has, he's huge in the net. He's six foot five. He's got great athleticism. And he's and he's one of those guys like the Canadians have drafted the last couple of years you know, when they when they take goalies like Frederick DeCal the year before Caden Primo they're tall guys very athletic guys that you know in in the case of DeCal and Dobis maybe a little bit more raw but the Canadians obviously have a lot of faith in the goaltending coach Steph, uh, Stefan Waite that he can uh, mold them into solid NHL goalies. Um, other guys too I mean uh, Sean Farrell fourth round pick this year. Canadians have a lot of hopes in him. He's he's going to uh, the U.S. National Development Camp uh, or the uh, U.S. World Junior Camp. Um, well, eventually, whenever it gets started there, uh, he has five points in his first three games with the Chicago Steel and the USHL. Off to a great start. Another fourth rounder this year, Jack Smith. Uh, played high school. Actually, was injured most of the last season. Only played I think ten or eleven games last year in. Uh, in Minnesota high school, adjusting to taking a big leap this year, playing in the USHL, and he has three points in four games. And, you know, he's more of a guy that, uh, you know, sort of a two-way guy, 200-foot type player. And, you know, despite a huge jump in, uh, you know, in um, in skill level, you know, going from uh, high school hockey to the USHL, I mean, he's looking really good and, and playing really good at both ends of the rink. So, I mean, uh, you know, some of the guys the Canadians drafted last year are already looking really good. So, uh, so we'll see, we'll see how they progress and hopefully they can, uh, they can keep it up. All right. Sounds good. I mean, always good to hear some uh, updates on, uh, on our prospects and uh, I guess that's pretty much does it for uh, today's episode. So we're going to try to, once again, with the prospects, you just talked about him, uh, Jakob uh, Dobis. So, actually, interesting interview because uh, he's a bit of a perfectionist, as I understand it, and uh, d- asked to do the interview a second time. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, we did the interview the first time, and uh, well, the, unfortunately, I mean, the, the phone kind of cut his his phone kind of cut off a little bit at the beginning of the first time. So I sent him the interview afterwards, and he got back to me like an hour later, and he's like, uh, "Do you mind if we redo it?" I'm like, okay, yeah, I mean, we're, we will be able to make it sound a little bit better, but he said he's a perfectionist, so we did it a second time. But I, mean, uh, I, mean, I love it, that. I love that. That just that yeah. to me shows it's like it's kind of shows work ethic in a way, you know, like he that wasn't good enough for him, and he was willing to just do it again to get it right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it's a uh, he was a great guy. I mean, definitely, we we really appreciate it. You know, I've always great talking to a Canadian's prospect. Um, that, you know, a very interesting conversation. You know, he he wasn't drafted the first year that he was eligible, but you know, we talked about uh, talked about that a little bit. You know, whether he was uh, whether whether he was expecting or not to be drafted. And he's a guy that you know, it's it. Uh, I think 15 or 16 years old came over to the U.S. from the Czech Republic. Because he thought, uh, you know, that that would be a better route and would give him a better chance to play in the NHL. Obviously, it's panned out because he got drafted by the Canadians. But he, uh, you know, he talked a little bit, 
little bit about that as well. So no, definitely uh, guys, give it a listen and uh, I'm sure you, uh, I'm sure you really enjoy it and definitely, you know, f- make sure to follow Jakob Dobis as well in the USHL this year, playing with the Omaha Lancers. They're off to a great start and, uh, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully can make a run out of it. All right. Great stuff. So like Dustin say, stick around for that interview. Uh, don't know when the next episode is going to be. Kind of depends on when that news drops. So as always, follow us on Twitter at the Habs Forum. Dustin will always make a bunch of posts to let you know when the episode is dropping. And obviously, you'll just see it on your podcast feed. As always, thanks for listening. Stick around for that interview. And we'll talk to you next time. All right. I'm here with Habs prospect and 2020 fifth rounder Jakob Dobes. Thank you very much for joining me today, Jakob. So, Jakob, you were drafted, of course, by the Canadians a few months ago. Uh, this was actually your second go-around in the draft. Uh, were you expecting to get drafted this time around? Um, yeah, I would say yeah. Um, I was not planning on it, but um, I wish, uh, or I was thinking I could get drafted, but you never know, but I'm happy I got Montreal, so everything ended up well at the end. Were uh, were you in contact with the Canadians before the draft, or were you in contact with any other teams? Uh, yes, I was in contact with Montreal. We had a couple of meetings together, and I would say we were one of the top teams who talked to me. I also was uh, uh, in contact with other teams, but uh, how I said, I will. I think Montreal was one of the top teams. So okay, and uh, afterwards, after you got drafted by the Canadians, did you? Um, well, since you've been drafted by them, have you had contact with uh, some of the people in the Canadians organization? And uh, so what would you say, was there anything in particular that they wanted you to work on this season, or is there anything that you feel that you need to work on or want to work on in this season? Um, obviously, I want to get stronger. Uh, as I get older, I think I need to get stronger, more flexible, and uh, every year just get better and more consistent. And uh, here in Omaha, we have kind of the try to get the winner mentality. So, you know, just uh, be a winner and be the best as I could and as I can be. So, so some of the some of the um, biggest qualities that people bring up in your style of play uh, when we talk about you are certainly your athleticism. I mean, you definitely see, uh, from, from what I've seen and from what other fans have seen, you're obviously an extremely athletic goalie. Your size, of course, is also another thing that, uh, that, that people point to. 
as to why uh, why you make a great prospect. Is there anything else that uh, that you feel are some of your other strengths that make you a good prospect? Um, I would say instincts. Uh, I trust myself. Um, I think I can be an aggressive goalie. I can also play passes. Just I can mix things together and. I just trust myself, trust my instincts, and the most important thing for me is just save a buck and keep it out of the net. So, so uh, obviously, this this you know the whole situation that we're in right now with COVID has been uh, has been pretty difficult. It's obviously the seasons everywhere have been delayed. Uh, how have you been? dealing with the COVID? Have you uh, have you been spending more time in the gym, maybe, as opposed to being on the ice? Or no, Obviously, your season has just started, but prior to uh, to the season starting, how did you, how were you able to stay in shape? Mm-hmm. I was back in the San Luis because I played there a couple of years ago, so I have still a lot of people uh, that I'm in connection with. So I stay in San Luis. I work out for a long period of time. I think I get stronger. Also, I think the break helped me with uh, my mentality to kind of fresh my mind and you know start over because the season every uh, the season every year is long and it's hard when you get older. So I'm, I you know on the other hand, it was not good to not play hockey for such a long time, but I don't mind it. Um, you know, this is the way the life is right now and. You know, I take advantage of it. I got stronger, clear my mind, and um, uh, we are playing right now. We just started, so everything is good. So uh, I'm happy. So you'd mentioned that you would uh, you would you'd played a couple of seasons when you first moved over to the states. You played in St. Louis. Um, so you're of course you were born in the Czech Republic. Came over a couple of years ago to the states. Um, was there a reason in particular that you that you decided to move from the Czech Republic to the states? Um, uh, always heard yes, the United States and Canada. For Canada, and the United States are the best countries for hockey. You know. NHL is the dream for every hockey player. So, and it's here. I mean, United States and Canada have it. They have the uh, National Hockey League. So that's why you know uh, every game or uh, every game in junior is here on the ice uh, on uh, on the uh, on the ice from the scouts, colleges. So, you no. Know, I feel like it was a good move to move here, and um, I think, how like I said, the United States and Canada are the best countries to play hockey in, so uh, that was probably the why I moved here. Yeah, well, I definitely think it worked out for you, as soon as you got drafted in the in the fifth round, so it uh, definitely seems to be working out so far. Um, so last season, um, you, you sort of split the season between the, the Null with, Tope- with the Topeka uh, Pilots and you finished the season with the Omaha Lancers. Is, um, do you find there, there's a big difference between the two leagues? Um, uh, I, would, it's, I mean, the USHL is a better league, uh, but I you know, also I play... Uh, two years of triple A hockey, so the step from triple A hockey to junior is, is always big because it's a totally different mentality. So I started in the in the NOL where I played for a couple.
couple months, which was good for me because I got used to it. And when I got called up to the Omaha and I stayed there for the rest of the season, the first couple months, you know, I was playing very well and I didn't really notice the difference because it's still a, still a same speed on pretty much the same players. Maybe USHR is more skilled players, but personally, I think there was a small difference, but I, I won't say it's, uh, it's something enormous or something big. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, you definitely had a had a pretty good year last year. Um, put up great numbers in the null. Put up. Started off really strong as well in the USHL. Uh, off to an amazing start so far this season. Three and one so far in four games. Goals against average one six one. Save percentage nine uh, thirty nine. Uh, do, do you feel like you've made a, a big jump this season so far? Uh, I won. So, uh, last year, the first half of the season was good for me. The second half was just okay. And also, the COVID outbreak ended up the season early. So, it was kind of weird last year, honestly. And, you know, this year, the mentality is different. I was a rookie last year in the new league, in two new leagues, actually. So, we are more experienced and you actually know what's going on. So the mentality for sure changed, but I'm not really changing anything uh, like specifically. Like I would try to change myself. You know, I always trust myself. I did last year, but I think I'm happy now how the teams play. We could be 4-0, honestly, after this weekend, but 3-1 is still pretty good. But I always tell myself to not get satisfied, and the only most important thing is to win every game and be ready for every game, and hopefully hopefully we will we'll continue doing well and we will go far this season and have a shot to win the championship or the Clark Cup. Except, well, you're definitely, you guys are definitely off to a good start so far, um, so, and definitely appears to be in reach. So, uh, as as we mentioned, you're you're are, you are from the Czech Republic. Um, I would imagine Dominic Hasek probably had a big uh, influence on you growing up. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I mean, it was a long time since he was playing hockey, but he is one of the best goalies ever. So. There's always something to take from him, so I, you know, I always look up to him and take some advices or some, you know, some looks from him. So yeah, for sure, great guy or great goalie to to take something from him. Uh, is there any goalies maybe that are playing in the NHL now that uh, that you could compare yourself to? Uh, a lot of people tell tells me I. Play like Andre Vasilevsky from Tampa Bay, so it's a huge compliment. But I always look at uh, just focus on myself. But if as for one guy from the NHL, uh, I can tell I compared to. Uh, I said a lot of people tell me I I play like Andre Vasilevsky from Tampa Bay. 
Well, that's definitely a good, uh, definitely a good goalie to be compared to. Certainly, Andre Vasilevsky, uh, obviously one of the top goalies in, in the NHL. Um, so, obviously, now uh, you know the, the, the Montreal Canadiens and the NHL hasn't started yet. Hopefully, it'll get started uh, eventually. You know, potentially development camp as well. Um, so, I'm sure you're looking forward to coming to Montreal. Have you ever been to Montreal before? No, never. Uh, I'm excited for. I hope, you know, in the future I will have a chance to to see the town and, you know, uh, have a chance to play there ever. So, yeah, I'm for sure excited to what the future brings for me uh, coming to Montreal. Excellent. Well, we're de- we're very, definitely very excited to, uh, to hopefully see you in a Montreal Canadiens jersey very shortly. Um, well, thank you very much for doing this, uh, Jakob. We really appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to seeing you with the Canadians hopefully uh, very soon. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you.